This podcast is sponsored by 10 of those. If you're at the recent T4G conference, you probably went to the bookstore. It was run by 10 They want to serve the local church by bringing the best books from across the publishers at super low prices to conferences and churches across America. So if you're involved in running a conference or perhaps you have a women's retreat coming up or a church anniversary weekend, invite 10 to provide a pop-up bookstore. There is no charge for them to come. They'll recommend resources and serve you really well, taking care of all the stock, the cash register, sales tax, etc. And they come for conferences and churches of 300 people or more. They can also help you if you're doing things online. They can provide you with a customized online bookstore for your church, and there's no charge for that either. Email their team to get your bookstore set up. That's sales.us at 10 Sales.us at 10 Baptist 21 is a pastor-led voice for Southern Baptists in the 21st century. The B21 podcast will discuss current issues in the SBC with Southern Baptist church leaders. To check out more resources, visit us at baptist21.com. Well, welcome to the Baptist 21 podcast, where we have conversations about what it means to be Baptist in the 21st century. And on today's podcast, we're going to do our annual, I guess, maybe just second ever preview of the SBC. We'll talk about uh, all or many things Anaheim and next week's SBC. Uh, Glad to have back with me some B21 leaders, Jed Coppinger, Ronnie Parrott. Brothers, thanks for being back to, uh, to discuss some important things. How are you guys doing? How's the last year been? Yeah, it's been back. Thanks, Nate. I appreciate you uh, inviting us back on our podcast. <laughs> <laughs> hey, well, Jed's been on. Jed got to interview uh, Dr. Hathaway, so he's been on. Uh, I just wasn't on with you, but Jed, how's the last year been? It's been great, man. It's been good, bad, and ugly, I think, like uh, everybody else, but overall, uh, great. That's awesome. Well, hey, we're going to talk about the uh, Anaheim SBC, which is now, as we're recording this, just a few days away. Uh, before we jump in, just a couple of announcements. One, there are still a few spots left for the B21 panel. Uh, it's sort of an abnormal panel this year. It'll be in the morning. We've explained kind of why we're doing that, uh, but it'll be Tuesday morning before the SBC begins. Uh, next year, our plan is to return to our normal lunchtime. Uh, but this year, as always, we'll discuss the hot topics in SBC life. We'll hear from Danny Aiken, Tom Askell, Bart Barber, uh, Dana Hall McCain, Albert Moeller, and Juan Sanchez. Uh, you can sign up at our website or find links on our social media pages. Again, there's still some spots left, but those are those are filling up quickly. In addition, uh, just like we did last year on our website, we're going to put up a post that has some helps for this year's SBC. That will include a guide uh, to the SBC with commentary on key moments in the schedule. Also have links to past podcasts that talk about motions, resolutions, all the kind of business stuff, as well as links to interviews with the sexual abuse task force members and even a link to this one as well. Uh, we hope to post that by tomorrow morning, so Friday, June 10th, uh, but that should help you just at least stay in kind of uh, have an idea of when to stay in the room and, and those sort of things. And then let me just give an overview of kind of where we're heading in this episode, and then we'll just kind of jump into the questions. But essentially going to go in order of events outside of the sexual abuse task force, which we'll leave for the end. We'll discuss the pastor's conference, uh, the credentials committee, motions and resolutions, even though there's not a lot to discuss there, elections, and then again, we'll close with a discussion on what will probably be the most important part of the SBC, and that being the recommendations from the Sexual Abuse Task Force. Um, so let's let's jump in. So Sunday night begins kind of the festivities, uh, pastors conference, and the and then eventually ele- the election of the pastors conference president for next year. Um, guys, I'll ask this question first, and then any thoughts you guys have about the pastors conference and the election. One submitted question was outside of the Baptist 21 panel, what are your top three recommended events, gatherings, dinners to attend, including the pastor's conference? Uh, Ronnie, why don't you go first? What are you, what are some things you're looking forward to attending? Yeah. You know, I, I love all of, uh, all of what we do at the annual meeting. Some of my top, my top things is I I always enjoy the sin luncheon uh, that North American Mm -hmm. mission board puts on. It's always a great time and encouraging time to see all that, uh, we're doing across North America in terms of church planning and and uh, serving churches. I'm grateful for that. I I love uh, the IMB commissioning service. My goodness, I mean, there's uh, nothing that moves me more than seeing uh, missionaries commissioned uh, as we're all gathered together for that. And those those are just two of the the things that I highly prioritize outside of our uh, our own panel, of course. Good. 
Yeah, no, the, I would say the IMB commissioning is is probably the best, is, is my favorite thing that happens there. The NAM luncheon is fantastic. Um, uh, there, there's a lot of different events at the SBC that you can go to and um, and they can fit whatever particular tribe you're in or things that you're interested in. There's always a good opportunity to connect with um, mission partners and different things like that. I love walking through and seeing the different booth areas and uh, things that are happening there. But really, uh, outside of the IMB commissioning, the best thing about the SBC is, is, is talking with people in the hallway and connecting with people you hadn't connected with in a while. So you know, my great, answer to that question that. My answer to that question is the Baptist swing one panel, the Baptist swing one panel, the Baptist swing one panel. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but no, there's lots, lots of really wonderful things. We love the fellowship, getting a chance to see brothers and sisters you haven't seen uh, for most of the year. And then, the, yeah, the IMB uh, commissioning, uh, the SIN lunch, the pastor's conference. I enjoy nine marks at nine, uh, the, the seminary lunches, all, all kinds of good yeah. things part of. Uh, at the SBC. Uh, any thoughts, guys, on the like the pastors' conference overall or the election? You know, I think uh, I think overall the pastors' conference year after year always goes, and who knows what kind of direction. I've really enjoyed uh, uh, seeing just some normal everyday pastors across our country uh, step into preaching every year. I think Matt Hensley's done a great job uh, getting some guys out there. One of my very good friends, Clay Smith, will be preaching. Uh, this year, and I'm just grateful for that. I'm grateful to to get a, a sort of a whole buffet of great preaching from various different guys from different sized churches. I, I'm personally looking forward to that this year. Yeah, I love that they're preaching through Colossians too. I, I think they may have somebody may have done that in the past, but love the emphasis on exposition. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. And I think the pastors' vote uh, is going to be happening this uh, Monday afternoon around three. 45 350 somewhere around there which is an important piece of it but no it's just great to hear guys who are filled with the spirit who have um spent time with the the text of scripture opening it up and uh and feeding us and so different backgrounds different experiences uh different styles and uh so yeah it's exciting to see uh the variety of god's garden in southern baptist life in the pool yeah, and that that vote this year for president it's going to be quite different this year you know, we've got a guy from North Carolina running, Daniel Dickard, who's in uh, Greensboro here. Um, great leader, great pastor. And then you have Vody Bauckham, who's running, who's just an interesting um, candidate this year. I know there's been some controversy over that. Yeah. I, yeah, it's it's interesting. So uh, Vody is in, uh, serves as a dean at a seminary in Africa, not really connected to the SBC uh, has been in the past. Um, love Vody's preaching. Uh, thankful for his preaching. It's it is a bit odd because it doesn't seem like he's going to be at the pastors' conference. He's definitely not going to be at the SBC. We, in fact, we had asked him initially to be on our B twenty one panel, but he he won't be there. So uh, seems like an odd nomination. Um, so uh, yeah, there's probably more we could say there. Uh, I've heard good things about Daniel. Don't know Daniel. Uh, but as of now, those seem to be the only two candidates that that we have. Um, yeah. Jed, any thoughts there? Yeah. No, I, I mean, I don't know, Daniel. I'll never forget. I don't think I'll ever forget any of the times I've heard Bodie preach. Uh, he's such a powerful preacher. Um, first at North Greenville and um, and uh, several times over the years. But, yeah, it is a bit curious uh, not to be around for uh, the events uh, that are going to be taking place there. But uh, at the end of the day, um, whoever ends up being the one hopeful that uh, that uh, we've got guys who love the Bible, who proclaim the Bible, and uh, be interesting to see how it all plays out. You know, Daniel, uh, Daniel's taking an interesting take this year of pulling together a, a group of pastors inside the SBC to help him select the preachers, the right preachers next year, which I really appreciate that. I appreciate that he's trying to do this in a wise way and, yeah. and really has a vision for it. Um, uh, and, you know, as we head into... Uh, New Orleans next year. It's just going to be an interesting season all, all around. So I'm looking forward to seeing how that fleshes out if Daniel wins. Yep. All right. Next on the schedule after the pastors conference is our own uh, Baptist 21 panel. Jed, you'll be moderating this year. You just want to give just a sample of some questions that, that we'll ask the law firm of Aiken, Askell, Barber, Hall, Moeller, and Sanchez. <laughs> well, yeah, we hope to talk about the issues that matter most to Southern Baptists at this critical time. And, like we usually do. And obviously this year, that means we're going to be talking about uh, the sexual abuse task force report, um, the 
potential ways that we can carry out the things that we've learned there and help better prepare Southern Baptists to address those issues moving forward. And uh, there's a lot tied into uh, those issues, obviously, and um, excited about the, the conversation surrounding it. Obviously, there's a lot going on as it relates to uh, the abortion issue in our culture and our churches with the Dobbs opinion being leaked um, and um, the potential of what might happen here over the summer through the Supreme Court and the implications for our churches and various states that will handle uh, that decision differently. And uh, so there's going to be some conversations around that and different approaches to advancing the cause for life um, as Southern Baptists. Uh, we need to talk, you know, in the midst of that, I'm sure we'll, we'll get into this, but just how do we know where to divide and uh, when we disagree and how do we know uh, when we can uh, just disagree without being disagreeable and without dividing? And and obviously, I, I think we would make the case for the Baptist faith and message being the uh, standard for that. But uh, there's other standards out there. And uh, how can we do a better job of disagreeing? You know, Southern Baptist you put this many people around, this many leaders around, we're never going to, uh, we're not going to disagree less, but I do think we can disagree better. And um, how can we do that? Hopefully we can have some uh, good conversation as it relates to that. There's other issues that uh, will relate to, uh, that we'll talk about, complementarian issues, uh, things that people need to have in mind that will maybe have arisen at the last minute. Um, that they need to be informed of. There's always information that comes up last minute that people need to hear about at the uh, Baptist 21 panel that will help them um, be better prepared to know when to be in the room, how to think through the room, regardless of where they find themselves in um, the Southern Baptist, uh, the various Southern Baptist streams that uh, are around. It's going to be in the morning this year. And one of the advantages of that, there's going to be more business uh, on Tuesday morning uh, than there typically has been with the creden credentials uh, committee and uh, report from the task force, I think. And so um, there will be a lot that's going to take place between now and then. And so hopefully uh, that Baptist 21 meeting will provide some info for how they best can uh, to be prepared for what's coming up. Yeah, Jed, you mentioned the Credentials Committee and the BFNM 2000, which brings us to Tuesday morning. And so that's what I want to talk through next. Again, you can consult our guide for when to be in the room, but the first thing that probably you may not even realize what it is, is that 1120 is scheduled on Tuesday morning is the Credentials Committee report. In fact, there was no Credentials Committee report last year when I was looking back through last year's um, schedule. But during this time, the Credentials Committee will respond to a motion that was referred to them last year regarding friendly cooperation status of Saddleback Church, Rick Warren's church. Uh, to the SBC. And what there's basically three pathways or options that the Credentials Committee could bring forward as far as a recommendation uh, to the floors. I want to hear your guys' thoughts on this. Uh, the first is the Credentials Committee could rec recommend disfellowship and then have the messengers vote so that we would disfellowship uh, Saddleback. This is in regards to Saddleback ordaining two women as pastors. Uh, even in recent days, this was this happened before, even we learned in recent days that that Rick has basically named a co-pastoring couple to, to replace him when he retires. Uh, but so they could recommend disfellowship and the messengers vote on it. Two, they could recommend no disfellowship and there's nothing to vote on. And from what I understand, that couldn't even be brought to the floor by the messengers if that was the way they went. And then the third option, uh, the credentials could, could, uh, the committee could basically say, we don't definitively know whether they've kind of crossed the BFNM line, particularly this line in the Constitution that a church would have a faith and practice which closely identifies with the convention's adopted statement of faith. They could rule there's lack of clarity and they want more time to, to basically investigate it. Um, or they may even bring it to the floor and let the messengers debate and discuss. So lots of things on the table. Uh, brothers, what are your thoughts? Uh, Jed, maybe I'll start with you. Thoughts on that. I'll give my own thoughts as well. But um, yeah, thoughts on all of that, the credential committee and then Saddleback in particular, this issue. Well, we talk about um, the Baptist faith and message being a standard for confessional cooperation. And uh, the, the Baptist faith and message talks about uh, male pastors, right? Or qualified male pastors. Uh, obviously, we want to elevate um, women and uh, qualified women in significant ways. And there's so many different ways that they uh, uh, advance the cause of Christ in local churches and beyond. And so we're, we're incredibly grateful for that. But on this particular issue, 
Southern Baptists have been pretty clear because they think the scriptures are pretty clear about that. And so um, in terms of, uh, you know, when you disfellowship a church, how long uh, you you kind of try to encourage the church behind the scenes to to change back, you know, to change directions uh, or not. I think Southern Baptists probably could easily disagree over some of those things on exactly when that is. But I think that we want to be clear that that's our standard. And that we're we want to be clear that that we're calling some uh, saddleback to to affirm the position that they've held for the majority of the history of their church. Ronnie, thoughts? Yeah, I, no, I mean I would absolutely agree with Jed. I mean I think it's uh, incredibly important to understand what the scriptures teach around um, pastoring and eldership and um, and the function of that. I think it's very important. And I think, uh, I think it's just, a. Uh, I mean, the, the two options I'd be okay with is, is I, I really think that the credentials committee needs to take some time to figure out exactly what they're saying um, before they make any sort of major decisions. Cause it, I, I don't think there's a whole lot of people in this camp, number one, in our, in the SBC. Um, the question is, can we move forward together with those who, uh, who sit in a, in a slightly different camp than maybe I would be comfortable with. And I'm not certain we can. Uh, I really am I'm not certain we can. Yeah. My thoughts would be, uh, you know, I could definitely see an appeals process, one an appeals process, want Saddleback to be able to to speak and the credentials committee to be clear. So if there was some, hey, we need to study this more and uh, we need to bring a different kind of recommendation to the floor after studying it more, I would be open to that. Ultimately, if Saddleback is not willing to change course, I would want to rule that they're no longer in friendly cooperation. Certainly, again, I probably more than a year ago, more before Saddleback even made this move to ordain women, I put out a, a thread on Twitter about this. Basically, the Bible's fairly clear in First Timothy. It's, it's clear. It's not fairly clear in First Timothy two and three, Ephesians four, First Peter five, Acts twenty. Uh, and this is, as Jed's already brought up, and Ronnie, this is a clear violation of, of our statement of faith. Yeah. We. The role of the office or the office of pastor is open to men only as qualified by the scriptures. Uh, and so for us to have a sacred trust and then a sacred sacred cooperation together, we have to have guardrails. We have to have parameters. If not, we're just going to become like the World Council of Churches and others who um, basically say it's about missions and not, not about theology. We have to have something that we rally around. And so I don't see this even as a punitive thing. I think I see this more as a, hey, we're no longer together on some things that really, really yeah. matter, uh, particularly if we're going to plant churches together. We got to agree on who can carry the title of pastor. I know that some will argue that that may just mean senior pastor and that may mean uh, and not not other aspects. I would just disagree with that. I think the wording is very clear. Or some who would see elder and bishop as one thing and then pastoring a different thing. And I just don't see that in scripture either. Yeah. Which Saddleback is trying to argue, but we would just yeah. disagree with that. Uh, and again, I think the wording itself is clear. And so uh, if they were not willing to kind of get back in friendly cooperation around our Baptist Faith and Message 2000, ultimately, I think they should be ruled to not be in friendly cooperation, but certainly want to allow space and time conversation and and definitely an appeals process, provided they think that they're being treated unfairly. I don't know if you all have any final thoughts there. So let's play this out. Let's say uh, the credentials committee doesn't do that. And the motion is raised from the floor to disfellowship Saddleback. Where do you think it goes? I think they'd be disfellowshipped. Yeah. That would be my read. Um, now, I, they, it, as I was trying to get the understanding of the polity of what happens with the credentials committee, Saddleback can bring messengers to the floor who can speak on their behalf during this session. So that's that might happen, that, that may not. If, if this has been in play for a year, if it hasn't been addressed before now, I, you know, I kind of seriously doubt they're going to do that, but they have that right, which again, I, I'm appreciate, I appreciate that part of our polity. Yeah. Uh, and so, which is another reason to be in the room to see what happens. 1120, be in the room because it could be uh, it could be interesting. Any final thoughts there, Jed? No, they, they would have the shortest drive out of anybody to get there. So <laughs> That's right. We'd welcome the conversation. And and again, I think, you know, in, in these things, I think it's always good to have that disposition of praying that there would be a change and that uh, and doing our best to help them make that change. But. Listen, we don't want to, as much as we love uh, so many things that came out of their ministry over the years, we, 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 we got to stand on the word of God or, or um, then what are we doing here? You know, so um, we don't, we are 
we believe in the sufficiency of Scripture. We believe that that's the standard for our faith, and uh, the confession uh, shows the areas we think are clearest in those scriptures. And so, um, we want to hold to hold fast to that. We want to encourage them to to change direction, and um, and then we want to continue to advance the Great Commission and get on with it. Yeah, and we're we're a big tent denomination as long as you're willing to fit under our tent. Yep, that's well said. Yeah. It's funny you said they have the shortest drive. I hear there's no short drives in, in Southern California. So uh, <laughs> that's true. we'll see if they're there. Next on the kind of schedule would be both the resolutions committee and then also an introduction of motions. The, the truth is we don't know what those will be. So you do need to be in the room when those things are happening. Uh, we can probably guess uh, what some of the resolutions might be. Jed even talked about some of the discussion we'll have at the Baptist Wing One panel Certainly, probably something about the sexual abuse task force. In fact, they even mentioned that on on the podcast we've done with them. Roe v. Wade, possibly the war in Ukraine. Lots of different options. We don't know what those are going to be. We do know it's chaired by Bart uh, Barber, who's being nominated for SBC president. Uh, he's certainly shown himself to be a man who leads well in those settings. He's chairing the committee, so I would expect a good slate of resolutions. But that time in the last few years has always been interesting. So be in the room uh, for that. Any any thoughts or statements, guys, on motions and resolutions again we don't know fully what those are going to be yeah we don't know i know i think uh i believe dana mccain is vice chair for uh the committee on resolutions is going to be on our panel as well that's right a sharp thinker uh it's a, a great group and so look forward to seeing um what they bring before us yeah i've heard nothing else i mean i've only uh just the things we've talked about here today so who who knows well, all right, let's talk. Uh, let's get a little bit spicy. Let's talk about elections. Uh, let's not election and Calvinism, but let's talk about elections. Uh, most of the time we get asked the question to rank the candidates in case there's a runoff. But I want to hear your thoughts on president, first vice president, recording secretary. Uh, which one of you guys wants to go first on president, what you're thinking there and any guidance you'd give to to listeners? Yeah, I mean, I I, I think that when I, um, you know, as I'm talking to people about different presidential candidates, especially guys who engage for just a few minutes a year, um, is is just reminding them the great news is, in light of our history uh, as Southern Baptists, that all of these guys uh, believe the Word of God is inerrant. All of them are, are doing their best to carry it out, and so there's not uh, there's not anyone outside of that confessional standard that we think is so important. So. At the end of the day, Lord willing, it seems that we're going to be walking away with a president that believes the Bible. Uh, they may hold things a little bit differently or hold the Bible a little bit differently or walk it out a little bit differently. And that's certainly the case. Um, but uh, I'd just say big picture. Uh, that's good news. But you've got, um, I guess I'll start with the guy that I interviewed, Robin Hadaway. He's got a you know great history in with the International Mission Board, Midwestern and, and several places like that as a harper. Uh, a number of different things. WMU are, are uh, is a part of his emphasis as president. Um, you got uh, Tom Askell, who's um, headed up Founders and done a lot of great stuff over the years. Um, Nate, you interviewed him, um, mm -hmm. but uh, it seems to have a, a hashtag change the direction as an emphasis for his, um, emphasizing the sufficiency of scripture in a way that seems to imply other people aren't doing as good a job on that. Um, and then you've got uh, old Bart Barber, who uh, is uh, seems to be coming in with a little bit broader tent on uh, uh, a view of Southern Baptist and pastor who, uh, like these other guys, have served faithfully for so many different years. But um, yeah, that, that, that I mean, as I think about those Bart, I think it's his dissertation or something that just I thought was fascinating him talking about um past times in Southern Baptist lives where Southern Baptists couldn't come together on particular issues. They really shouldn't have divided over looking back on it, but because they did, they weren't prepared for a big challenge that was coming their way. And Bart seems to be trying to make the case for, hey, let's unite so that we can be prepared for the challenges around us. Um, but those are kind of, uh, those are the three guys uh, that are out there. And um, I, I think that uh, Bart uh, would would be my choice for, you know, who I think would probably be the best in this moment to, to lead us forward and in a way that uh, the most of uh, the, the largest amount of us can faithfully move forward together. Um, 
I think the issues aren't getting less complex. I think they're getting more complex. And I think that um, measured uh, leaders who can help us think through those things that assume the best, uh, that can walk carefully, uh, can allow the other person to, to take a misstep here or there, but still move forward without uh, completely casting that person off. It seems like uh, Bart has a great history of that. And um, then, uh, and, and so I'm hopeful for him, but any of these guys do it. They believe their Bible. Uh, the, Nobody I know became Southern Baptist because of an SBC president, um, but it's it's something that's serious and has a um, significant implications. But those would be some of my thoughts on this. Ronnie, yeah, I'm I'm just glad Jed went first on that one, man. Jed, great job. Um, <laughs> no, I I would say, you know, there's a reason all uh, um, really both. Um, I would just say both Bart and Tom are on our panel. Uh, the Baptist Women panel. Uh, we we really want to have a conversation that matters. It's all that's really what we've been about, and we think uh, we think this conversation is important. Uh, we, for various reasons, value both both Tom and Bart. I um, I don't know Robin Hadaway very well. My first introduction to him was on the podcast with with Jed. There, I really appreciated his great commission tone. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, all three of them are strong in theology. I believe all three of them have their own convictions uh, that really matter. And you could see that and how they talk and how they speak. I, I agree with Jed. I think it comes down to because of the moment, because of the sexual abuse stuff, because of the, just where we're at in culture. Um, I think tone, I think tone matters a lot. I think humility matters a lot. And, and I'll be honest. I mean, when I first heard Bart was, was running, I was a little bit taken back. But hearing Bart or reading Bart on Twitter and hearing his videos, man, he's really got a heart for leader for for leading the way forward, uh, for caring for people. And in this moment, I think you need a shepherd, like a genuine shepherd's heart. And I just hear that and see that in Bart's tone. And so I'm looking forward to, to voting for uh, for Bart Barber. Another thing that I'd mentioned, you know, with Bart that I I really think is worth noting is how he has been. He's been for you know the waving of a uh, of the the privilege, the attorney yeah. client privilege um, last year uh, that led to um, so many of the things now that we have in the guidepost report that, um, again, whatever you think on, on some of these things, overwhelmingly was affirmed by Southern Baptists this past year in the few moments they give to thinking about these issues. And so for him to do that and being a local church, church guy who understands the primacy of the local church and, and uh, Southern Baptist life and the great Great commission. I think that his continued support for, um, hey, let's get this right. Um, let's let's again. It's a complex issue, but let's think through things. How can we care for do a better job caring for survivors? How can we do a better job uh, thinking through how we can prevent this um, and in a way that fits with our polity and the different complexities that come with uh, the unique nature of our polity as it relates to other denominations. And so. Um, I've just appreciated his tone for that and his emphasis in his ministry while carrying out a local church ministry uh, in a way that uh, has, I think, stood out in relationship to the other candidates. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you guys, you guys have said a lot of good things. I would basically be in agreement. Uh, don't know Dr. Hadaway well. I've uh, been thankful just for the interaction and getting him on the podcast. Sweet brother, uh, concerned about missions. That's, there's a lot to commit there, but don't know him super well. Uh, Tom was thankful for him jumping on the podcast, uh, thankful for how he conducted himself in the podcast, been really thankful for his ministry, particularly in the past, um, learned a lot from him. Um, I, you know, I do have concerns uh, about some of the things uh, that Tom says, not always even what he says. There's some things that uh, definitely we need to hear his perspective, but even the way he says things is I, I had uh, pressed him a little bit about being adversarial on the podcast and you know, he said he didn't want to be that way. And then kind of almost immediately after, you know, he, he puts up a tweet basically questioning why the task force doesn't have, uh, you know, Bible verses. I'm reading all over this and I can't find any Bible verses. This seemed quite, you know, snarky, uh, it seemed a bit adversarial. Um, There's like a hundred ways I think you could have put that tweet in a way that was much, much more helpful. Uh, so there is some concern there. It just It does seem to me, and I, again, I even asked this question in the podcast, something's changed. I mean, it was he called most of the people in the CBN in the past borderline semi-Pelagians. Now that's his closest relationship. Uh, and, and it does seem, even though I asked 
uh, if it was political. And he said, no, it does seem to be odd, odd bedfellows. And something just seems off about that, which is why I would have concern, uh, particularly about him saying we need a change in direction, uh, even though he, he certainly is a man who knows his Bible, loves the Bible, uh, and certainly would be a man who loves to talk about you know, theological things. And so um, you know, a lot to come in there, but also some things to be concerned about. I do think it's a moment, and you guys have used that word, but it's a moment where we do need uh, unity and not unity just for unity's sake. And that's why I think Bart is the best pick we have uh, among the three, because Bart has shown himself to have backbone when needed. Bart is certainly a conservative who is very clear on complementarian convictions. He's he's not woke. There's you know He is a man who has been a champion of Baptist distinctives. He's been very involved in, in Baptist life. He's always shown himself to, to be a man of integrity when he deals with things from the from the platform, even on the sexual abuse task force, um, you know, that we're going to talk about here in a minute. Bart was pivotal in getting legislation passed in Texas that would allow um, for churches to be, you know, uh, to be able to speak to these issues and to warn other churches about potential um, dangers when it comes to, to certain pastors. And so. Yeah, uh, there's a lot to commend about Bart in that. And so uh, for, for those reasons, I think, um, you know, that Bart would be the best candidate. You know, going back a little bit to Tom, it's like when I asked him, is this do we need a conservative resurgence 2.0 or we he said, you know, he said, no, he said we don't have crypto liberals in our seminaries. And so the the probably the the weight by which he's saying change the direction just seems at odds. And then again, the way by which he goes about some things. Uh, are concerning. So as much as I love him, been thankful for his ministry, even personally know of pastors who he's cared for and loved well, um, I just think uh, right now Bart would be a much better option for us, in particularly as the the culture around us is uh, in upheaval. He's a man who is committed to all the right things theologically, but also has handled himself in a way that I, I would get behind uh, as far as his unifying voice in the SBC. And so uh, yeah, that's why my vote will be cast for uh, for Bart Barber. Any final thoughts there on on president? Yeah, I mean, Ronnie mentioned this. You know, um, the reason we have um, Tom and Bart on our panel and we can't it's not just a presidential thing. We only have so many slides in a, in a panel. So there's some practical considerations there that we had to make. But we want to send a signal that. Um, we need to have these conversations. I, one of our one of our convictions is is that Southern Baptists need to, if, especially if there's going to be a Baptist twenty two, we're going to make it to the twenty. You know, here another what is it, uh, eighty seventy eight years that we need to talk to one another. We need to be able to have conversations, like serious conversations, about uh, the matters before us in ways that uh, honor Christ, and so. We hope that we can be helpful to fostering that. And uh, yeah, like you said, we, we've got our who we think would be best uh, and we would commend to others. But uh, we also wouldn't want people to walk away if uh, uh, one presidential candidate was selected that they didn't want. Yeah, that and that, too. I mean, like the, you know, I would say Tom um, sits in a camp with others who who've been highly critical of things this last year that. To some may have caused or may cause frustration or or uh, whatever. I, I've just really grown kind of sad at times of like where certain things have gone and the attacks on uh, on some of our institutions and leaders. I mean, like Nate, your your father, you know, has taken some some hits and attacks. And it would be easy for um, other groups like ours even to kind of retaliate and take the same approach and. Uh, I just don't want to be that. I don't think we want to be that. I think taking that sort of tone in uh, in our panel is is one way we can show that we want to have the conversation. Let's let's talk about it together, and uh, let's let's pray for a way forward. This podcast is sponsored by Ten of Those. If you're at the recent T4G conference, you probably went to the bookstore. It was run by TenOfThose.com. They want to serve the local church by bringing the best books from across the publishers at super low prices to conferences and churches across America. So if you're involved in running a conference or perhaps you have a women's retreat coming up or a church anniversary weekend, invite TenOfThose.com to provide a pop-up bookstore. There is no charge for them to come. They'll recommend resources and serve you really well, taking care of all the stock, the cash register, sales tax, etc. 
and they come for conferences and churches of 300 people or more. They can also help you if you're doing things online. They can provide you with a customized online bookstore for your church, and there's no charge for that either. Email their team to get your bookstore set up. That's sales.us at 10 Sales.us at 10 Guys, any uh, thoughts on first vice president? There's a couple of uh, people being nominated. Uh, Victor, and I'm not going to even, uh, Kaya Cyrus, I'm not going to even try to say it. Victor, um, First Southern Baptist Church of Anaheim. You try it again, just for the fun of it, Nate. Uh, and then Adam, uh, <laughs> I'm not going to try again. That was that was embarrassing as is. Um, and I then, just want to say to Victor, as uh, with a name like Jedediah Coppinger, I feel some of his pain. And, and so it's happened to me a lot, too. So yeah. sorry, Victor. And, and Victor is uh, there in Anaheim. Yeah. Uh, Actually, he's got the shortest drive. Yeah, he does have the shortest drive. Funny enough, he was uh, said to be part of the CBN, uh, but he put out a statement distancing himself from them. Uh, Adam White's also nominating somebody. Didn't know if you had any thoughts about first uh, vice president. I don't know either candidate well. I had, um, you know, hear uh, from people I trust that they're both really good candidates. Yeah, but yeah I think they're both great candidates. And, and I think that uh, uh, I believe Josh Powell is going to be, isn't he uh, nominating Alex? Um and um, Josh is a fantastic pastor and leader. And um, I think that, uh, and he thinks Alex be fantastic. So I think it's win-win, but. Um, Josh used to be part of the group prior to Baptist 21 called SBC Witness or something yeah, like that. I'll never forget that quote post he put up. <laughs> he was part of our, he was part of that group. And I think he posted one time and you're right. It was just like one quote. So we, we had to kick him out of Baptist 21. Yeah, that um, was great. But uh, any any other thoughts there, uh, uh, Ronnie? No, I don't. I don't know. I'm gonna I'm gonna probably drift towards Alex um, on a vote for that. But I, I don't. I really don't have any other thoughts. So I hear Alex is a great leader in South Carolina. I mean, our our neighbor uh, state, and I hear phenomenal things about him. So yeah. So Alex is running for second vice president. That Josh is, and then um, Victor Victor's running for first vice president. So. Um, Oh, unopposed. Yeah. Unopposed. I think Josh is going to win. His nominee is going to win uh, from what from what I can tell. But um, I'm glad I'm voting for him then. Yeah, exactly. exactly. <laughs> um, last, maybe last election to think about will be uh, the recording secretary. We actually had a question submitted about that. Uh, basically, the question is, what's the significance of it? Uh, I can answer that and then we can talk about the candidates briefly. But the significance of the recording secretary uh, is that uh that person will sit on the executive committee so uh they have a standing spot there'll be a new recording secretary this year i mean again i don't y'all might have better understanding of the history of this but there's been somebody sitting in that position i think like 20 years or more yeah he, he basically sits on the stage the whole sbc and just takes the minutes i mean that's his role he yeah. takes minutes records everything that happens at the meet at the meeting um and then he has a spot on the EC throughout the whole year. So he's got to vote, be on committees and the whole thing. The three uh, options for this are um, Javier Chavez. Uh, he is uh, at Truett McConnell in Georgia. He is part of the CBN. Uh, there is Nathan Finn, uh, a guy who was also part of SBC Witness back in the day, uh, provost at North Greenville University. His wife, we'll talk about her in just a minute, is uh, one of the chairmen. Uh, chairwomen of the committees, uh, and then David Roach, um, who is a uh, pastor in uh, Sarah Land, um, who's a graduate of Southern and, and Midwestern and some other spots. Uh, he's been a pastor in Shelbyville as well. So there's three people running for that role. Uh, any guy, you guys have any thoughts on the different um, uh, different guys running or how you're planning to vote there? I mean, I, I, I've known Dr. Finn for uh, a few years now, really appreciate him, appreciate his willingness to, to run and thankful for his, I mean, he's just such a theological mind, uh, loves Baptist history, knows a lot. And so I'm excited to, to cast my vote for him. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I know Finn, uh, Dr. Finn, the best, um, I know David as well. And, and, uh, I don't know, uh, Javier and, um, I know he's connected and, and uh, the CBN's pretty excited about him. Um, and so I'm sure there's some great stuff about him. But the, um, yeah, I, I think Finn is, I mean, he serves, obviously, 
Um, not just because he serves at my alma mater, North Greenville University. He's doing a fantastic job there. One of the leading colleges and universities in the world. But uh, he also serves on the historical committee and just his knowledge of uh, his institutional knowledge and love for the Southern Baptist Convention, I think, position him to be a, a great vote. Yeah, Finn is who I'll vote for. Finn is a guy that anytime I have a question about Baptist polity or history, uh, I go to Nathan Finn. And so I think he would do a great job um, re- recording things for us. In fact, I want I want to have make him have work every year at the SBC. And so I think it would be good for him uh, to be to be elected to this role. So, um yeah, that's there's there's several other positions to be elected uh, for elections. Uh, we're not going to cover all of those, uh, but again, you'll see in the guide when to be in the room for those. But uh, I think Nathan Finn will be a, a fantastic um, person to to step into that role uh, of recording secretary. Um, all right, guys, let's move then to uh, committee on committees, committee on nominations. Again, I don't think there's much for us to discuss here. Uh, it's usually fairly straightforward, but people can challenge different names from the floor. Uh, and so you want to be in the room uh, when 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 those reports are happening. Again, the chair, uh, the committee on committees is led by a pastor uh, named Jeremy Freeman. Uh, and then um, the committee on nominations is led by Leah Finn, Nathan Finn's wife. Um, and so uh, you'll want to be in the room. I think they're going to put together a great slate of names uh, for us to just vote on and, and just kind of wholesale take, uh, obviously take that as a wholesale vote and move forward. But uh, again, you never know what's going to happen from the floor of the SBC, and so uh, be in the room. Any any comments there, brothers, on the two different committees? I mean, sometimes you know when you're in the room uh, and you you think, all right, here are these names, most of which you you don't know uh, that have been selected, and there's a little interaction. You're wondering why that interaction is happening, and sometimes it's there's a guy uh, or uh, there's a man or a woman that represents a, a certain group that isn't on something and that someone's trying to get that person in there or something like that, that that's, that's really dynamic. I've had people ask me over the years, like, what, why, why does anybody care about being on this thing? I feel like most people would want to avoid being on this thing. And uh, that's, that's what's going on is that, that people think, ah, this guy that could kind of influence this group in a way that would make it more helpful. However, they define helpful. Uh, they're trying to position that person or maybe remove someone that they don't think would be helpful. So that's really the the story for those that are, are new to SBC life on that. Yeah. And just uh, for, for, you know, understanding of the polity, if you don't, so the committee on committees appoints, so is, that is appointed by the president of the SBC. Uh, and then the committee on committee appoints the committee on nominations who then appoint the trustees of the different entities. So that is really the main power that, uh, outside of influence that the Southern Baptist Convention president has is to appoint that first committee who then appoints that other committee who then so Baptist appoints actual leaders to our different entities. And so uh, those are important names. And so be in the room uh, to affirm those and, and to move forward with uh, those who are brought forward um, uh, through those reports. So that that's an important time. All right. Yeah, I'll, I'll add also just how important it is. I know it's, it seems small, but it's just so important to be in the room because you never know what's going to come to the floor in any of these sure. times. It may not seem very important to you, but it is very important for the future. And that is, and I, I think, I, I believe the plan this year, sometimes you don't know what's going on. We've tried in the past to have uh, Baptist 21 Twitter account or something like that, that would kind of update people on those, but find some someone that you, that have a, a high level of trust with you can connect with and kind of in the moment, if you need it, uh, help navigate what's going on. That's exactly what I was going to say. Our Twitter account also sit next to somebody who is knowledgeable. Uh, we'll do our best to keep that up to date and, and running. All right. We're going to do this final thing uh, before just final thoughts will be the probably most that will the most important thing we're going to talk about, uh, which is the sexual abuse task force recommendations uh, Ronna, you were part of drafting the motion that was ultimately passed last year to call for this investigation. Um, basically, guys, I just want to ask a broad question and then and then get into more specifics. But broadly, uh, what what are your guys? You know, what's your read of the last year? And then specifically, thoughts on the the particular recommendations that were brought to the floor in Anaheim. Yeah, I'll I'll just say briefly here uh, what we discovered. Uh, whatever, what, what was released two weeks ago was just devastating, like absolutely devastating, far worse than we expected. And could you imagine what we would not know if it had not been uh, the waiving of a 
of attorney-client privilege. I mean, uh, really, we the the shock of that was felt across the SBC and even into the the culture. Um, and so it's been devastating. Now, I have I have the last two weeks have been really encouraging to me to see uh, the sexual abuse task force come up with recommendations to see survivors step in and make some recommendations, some others uh, come together to maybe make some needed changes to provide further clarity, um, to just handle maybe some places where we weren't certain of. And then to see the response of that, I mean, we're recording this on Thursday. So even last night from Sin Relief stepping in to help pay for a large portion of this to just a few minutes ago, the Great Commission Council coming out in full affirmation of this. Man, I feel so encouraging, uh, encouraged about where this is headed. Like right now, I feel so encouraged about where it's headed. I hope, I just hope that the SBC uh, feels that encouragement and I hope we do the right thing next next week in Anaheim. Jed? Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm like everybody else. I mean, the the two dominant emotions that when whenever you read that report is obviously just heartbreak, sadness, um, and anger. Um, I mean, just the sadness that you feel for the different things that were happening uh, to survivors and um, what they've been through, how they were treated, and those kinds of things. And then it's angering, obviously. I mean, there's a lot to be angered about, but just think about the way that um, the lack of response that was just over and over kept coming up. It was like where where it just said, don't respond to them, don't respond to them. And just to be stonewalled in that way, it was one of many examples where you think, man, after that, everything they've been through to not be able to have uh, a compassionate uh, conversation where you're listening, learning those kinds of things, actions being taken. Um, I think that. Um, so, yeah, I feel I felt I mean, like a lot of people, it's still it's it weighs on you. Um, and um, but I am hopeful that um, for a number of reasons, one, just uh, for all of the the great you know effort that was uh, that's been carried out up until this point, which has been quite quite um, an amazing effort by so many people, by so many survivors, by by people that are coming alongside of them and helping in the past year, um, and the work that Guy uh, Post did and and others. Um, I'm I'm hopeful because in the few moments that Southern Baptist came together to think about this issue, the room is like, of course, yeah, wave attorney uh, attorney client privilege, excuse me. Um, and then continue to push that forward at the EC level. And, um, and so I'm hopeful that, you know, that they were able to, it wasn't like, oh, let's really wrestle. It's like, no, let's do this. Let's get this right. And I think it's complicated on what right means um, in, in light of just all of the issues and, and implications that come with it. I think that the, the way that the task force has responded to people in the midst of this kind of complexity and, have made adjustments shows that they really are uh, responsive um, to, uh, to 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 just what people are saying, to what survivors are saying, and I think that's been true of how they've carried out the whole process. And so, I think they've done a fantastic job, and I think that uh, Southern Baptist should be grateful for the effort that's put in, been put yeah. into this work. There's still the obviously work that needs to be done, and there's complexities. I think I'm hopeful and I'm prayerful that that we can have conversations about uh, how best to do this, uh, that it's not something we put in place that really actually can't make a difference or doesn't make a difference, but really can make, really can improve things. And I think part of that's going to require us talking to one another about these things and assuming, uh, you know, that the best about each other. Uh, I, I think that the polity issue is an important issue uh, and it shouldn't be, uh, used as an excuse not to do anything. I just, I think it's important to help us understand how to do uh, what we need to do. And so, of course, bringing that up though, it's, it's, you understand why people would be frustrated by that, by how many times it was used uh, as an excuse for inaction. But I do think there's important considerations there so that we can know best uh, how to take action um, and in a way that moves things forward. So, uh, there's a lot there. Uh, thank you for the website and um, the way that, that everybody's been responsive. And and I'm I'm just I'm praying that uh, we'll be able to move things forward and lead the convention with a sense of um, better with all the different dynamics that go into that.
And if you don't know, if you're not, if you're listening and you're not certain of where to go to find information out here, if you'll just go to sataskforce.net, sataskforce.net, you can read their recommendations. You can be knowledgeable about what their uh, what their motion's going to be from the floor and uh, what they're going to recommend and and the vote that'll be put in the in the uh, in the messenger's hands next week. I I think the implementation of an abuse reform uh, implementation task force over the next year is important. I would love to see the current task force continue on in that role. Um, I think they've just done a great job this last year, and I think allowing them to continue to throttle this thing forward to see the kind of reforms that we need to make and to see how we can effectively handle these issues and care for survivors is what I'm really most interested to see how it, how it plays out. Yeah, I don't have a ton to add to what you guys have said. I, I've got a chance to interview the task force members twice or two of the task force members twice. I have been very encouraged by them and even just the, the humility by which they're handling what's a very complex situation. They've been put in a tough spot uh, in a tough place. And I think they've, you know, they've conducted themselves in an admirable way. Uh, the recommendations um, have been tweaked some. And I think that what they're bringing to the floor is a start and a helpful start. As Just as we've been recording, I think Jed or Ronnie made mention that uh, the entity heads came out with a statement in support of it. Um, again, you can listen to those past podcasts. I don't need to go too deep into what was said. Uh, I certainly think it's a time to acknowledge that it's complex, but also to acknowledge we have to be sacrificial, proactive, um, and uh, certainly, I think these are uh, some recommendations that are helping us do that while also appreciating our polity uh, and the complexities around that. A couple of the questions just for Matt, like as far as the the formal way by which we're going to adopt these recommendations that have been submitted. Is- say, before you hop into that, now, just on the complexity of it, I think the complexity um, point is an important point, uh, not to not to justify a lack of action, because but it's important. Some people use that as a as a justification for a lack of action. Um, I think it's it's what I think it would be best is that that recognizing the nature of the conversation that will lead to action. Like, how do we have action? Because it's complex, we need to be able to have some back and forth. We need to have you know let, let's talk about the different issues. I mean, I think a lot of people have. Uh, there's been great conversations. Um, uh, Rachel and others have done a great job of just providing information like here's what here are the stand the objective standards of what credibly accused again agree or disagree on every single layer of that it's still like that that's really helpful it, it advances the conversation uh, you think about well you know what we do when it comes to what's a preponderance of evidence well a lot of people didn't know what that meant now they have a an understanding of oh okay it's not criminal it's it's a civil level of uh, of uh, of kind of judgment that we can render it at that level. That's legal standard. So there's different things like that. I think that we've learned, oh, okay, there's similarities to other denominations and there's dissimilarities. And how would that impact particular policies that might come out with our local church first kind of a, approach? Um, I think that there's still conversations that need to be had that will take place. But I think that because of the complexity, if we can um, create space for real conversations like it like it's been happening and let the, the leaders who have done a great job continue to help lead out. I think uh, we, we have every reason to be very hopeful of, of uh, the outcome next week. So here's some of the kind of procedural questions. How can messengers prepare for what likely will happen regarding the recommendations? Um, what is most likely to be voted on? Well, those two recommendations, again, um, Marshall, um, Blaylock and and uh, Andrew Abair talked about that yesterday on our podcast. Those are the things likely to be voted on, but it will be just like our normal business. There could be amendments from the floor. There will be discussion, debate. So, again, we said it 10 times on this podcast, be in the room and prepared. Um, again, at this point, there's been a lot of controversy. I'm going to ask a question about some of the controversy you guys hear in just a second. Uh, but at this point, the responsiveness of the task force to deal with the complexity of our polity and the complexity of the threshold of preponderance of evidence and third-party investigation. Uh, at this point, I'm not sure how we would not move forward with it and, and, and be positive about that. Again, I could see, we could probably all say it wouldn't be worded exactly how we would word things. And there is complexity to our polity and, and those kind of things. But I do think uh, we are in a really good spot to have a unified voice at uh, this year's SBC. Um, one of the questions as far as submitted was the difference between Guidestone recommendation and the task force recommendation. Uh, and I think that's important to talk about. And that will lead into the kind of controversial thing that we'll kind of at least start to close this podcast on. 
what needs to be understood is what's brought to the floor of the convention is the task force recommendation, not the guidepost recommendations. Now they were obviously they they've read the report and that is uh, giving some um, certainly resourcing to the recommendations they're bringing. But the recommendations are, are recommendations that are brought from the task force that was appointed by uh, President Ed Litton, who we obviously last year at the convention asked, we asked for him to create this task force. And so it is important to, to have a distinguishing between who um, who the recommendations are coming from. And that leads to kind of the, the, the flashpoint that happened this week and love to get your guys' thoughts on it. Uh, Guidepost, who did the investigation, secular firm, put out a tweet affirming uh, what they're calling out, what everybody's calling Pride Month, which is certainly we would say sinful, um, that that uh, they're affirming as a lifestyle that's opposed to the clear teaching of sexuality in the scriptures. Uh, some are using this now as a, as a way to say this discredits the whole thing. Uh, there's again, there's a lot of controversy around this. I'd love for y'all to respond to when y'all saw that. What'd you think? Uh, what do you think about the controversy surrounding it? Does it discredit the investigation? Uh, I think we just speak freely to that. So who who wants to go first? Yeah, I mean, you know, when you first see it, um, it, it, it definitely is alarming. Uh, I think like most people, you think, oh, these are the people that are going to provide, uh, you know, information. They're going to they're going to help us hold, you know, think through these uh, these critical issues when they can't get something that easy. Correct. So I think at first you hear that it's it's alarming when you when you dig a little bit deeper into their process, how things were carried out, then uh, you you feel a lot better about the whole thing, which is uh, there are certain standards that aren't affected by their views on those things uh, in terms of carrying out uh, their investigation. Um, it's also was helpful to know, I think it was Marshall Blaylock that uh, that put some of this information or maybe it was the task force in general, but. Uh, they talked about they looked at a number of different um, Christian organizations and other other groups that might be able to help them do the task that they were charged to do. But this was the only one that could do that uh, um, an investigation that this large of a scope in this short of a time period. And so they were the only one with the capacity to do that kind of thing. And so then you realize, OK, this isn't some kind of, uh, uh, you know, thing to throw off and they checked with several places just like uh it seems like they would check if if things do move forward um with a third party uh group that we would use they would check with several more uh and my guess is probably going a different direction but th those are a few thoughts that came to mind for me ronnie yeah i think uh i think there are some um in the spc who've been dead set on sort of discrediting this um <clears throat> this whole thing and I don't think the guidepost dropping that helps. Uh, I think it hurt, helps those who are trying to discredit it. But we got to remind ourselves here that they gave us recommendations to, uh, they submitted them to our task force that's made up of Baptist uh, pastors and leaders and um, who vetted them, who read them, who came up with our own recommendations based on their recommendations and um, who also consulted with others. And then they themselves have listened to some survivors within our Baptist churches. And, um, and so I, I think to be at a place where, where the entity leaders and several state convention leaders uh, and uh, sin relief, just getting behind this, I think we're in a really good spot. And I don't think there's any sort of concern. I don't think we need to be worried about that. I think, um, you know, if we decide to go away from that, you know, our partnership right now is done with them, but they may be the best, uh, to use in the future. I, I don't know, but I think right now where the recommendations stand, I don't think we have any concern. I think uh, we're in a good spot. And I, let me, let me add this, you know, I would say to, to, to the, the more skeptical about, you know, the whole thing, or they might include think, ah, oh, it discredits this. Maybe some of the people you're talking about, they're running, you know, I, I would just ask them to, to help to, to look at the report and to find in the report anything that might be changed or influenced by a wrong view, an unbiblical view of sexuality, which we believe Guidepost has on that issue. It, you're not going to find that. They, the investigation doesn't reveal that these are people who uh, hold Southern, uh, Southern Baptist views on sexuality. The investigation revealed shocking uh, 
mishandling, abuse, different things like that that was that were taking place. So that, that it doesn't matter what your view is. You can yeah. be a lost person and and see that stuff is wrong. In fact, it's sad that the Christian lawyers that were in the investigation didn't handle things a little bit better. Mm-hmm. And so I think that when you read uh, what took place in the actual report that they gave and you evaluate that in light of their wrong commitments, you see that there's no there's no flavoring or discoloration or bias that's kind of bled into the report. It seems to be very justified on its own merits. And I appreciated Marshall Blaylock, who is one of the task force members. He, he released his own Twitter thread that just clarified how um, generous Guidestone was with with their investigation. They assigned Guide us. Bab- oh, sorry. Sorry. Guidepost. They assigned us Baptist lawyers, Baptist people. I mean, they they really worked hard to go out of their way to make sure we had uh, the right folks working with us on this. Yeah, I'll just give a couple comments and then we'll we'll move to close. But it, it, kind of sticking with what I said a second ago, after seeing the report, after hearing from the brothers on the task force, seeing their responsiveness, their desire to serve victims and their desire to chart a way forward with care and even just future being being proactive to prevent as best as possible these sort of things, then respond when they're, when it's not prevented. I don't see how we don't receive these as good and helpful a, a start. Again, there may be some tweaks that need to be made, and I'm uh, all ears to that. I don't don't yeah don't pretend to have all the information on this. Uh, having said that, on the the, the guidepost tweet, it, it was super, It was certainly unfortunate. It seems to me obviously a sign of spiritual warfare. It was so unfortunate the timing, and it 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 does not in my mind, discredit, though it, I don't want to just dismiss that that wasn't, uh, you know, an, an awful thing to see and a sad thing to see. Um, but I also don't want it to be made a political football or a smokescreen to what the real issues are. And so what I would just appeal to the messengers is, is let the merits of the recommendations either stand or fall on their own. And, and by that, what I mean is, was what guideposts uncovered sinful? Was it wrong? Does it need to be addressed? And do the measures or recommendations the task force are bringing, do they do that? Uh, and, and even to some degree, think, thinking, is this a situation where we can find common ground with, you know, quote unquote, pagans? And we can agree that this is the sort of thing that would not be tolerated even among the pagans. And so with that in mind, I would just say to our listeners, weigh the recommendations by the right and wrong of the invest, uh, of, of the recommendations. Uh, and at the end of the day, let's trust that uh, the right thing will take place, and uh, that uh, if this is the right way to go, this is this is the measures we should put in place. And so, I would just say, don't use this as a political football. Don't use this as a smokescreen. Read the recommendations and and let those stand or fall on their own. And again, I, I think uh, for the most part, they're very very helpful recommendations. Uh, you know, that's just a few thoughts there. It, it really is unfortunate. I hate how everything becomes. Um, political in this season. Uh, it just seems very, yeah, it's very concerning. Uh, one more thing. I, I talked about this a little bit yesterday on the podcast with the guys on the task force. This idea that this is not part of our mission is going to distract us from mission, I think is is very concerning when people say that. I think that's um, uh, certainly we, we want to be about um, evangelism and missions. And what's most important is uh, the fact that somebody would be right with God, that God can throw uh, body and soul into hell. Uh, but this is part of our mission to love neighbor as self. And so for us to get to say uh, this is not part of, of who we're supposed to be, I, just, I, I would just dismiss that out of the hand. Uh, and think that's really, really unhelpful to the conversation. That does not in, in any way not, not trying to throw out the complexities of what we're talking about. Uh, but it is part of who we are called to be, to love neighbor as self, even as we uh, certainly try to love the lost. Uh, yeah, anybody that- yeah, just I just think to, to piggyback on that, Nate. You know, especially you know, to, I know we have a lot of pastors who are listening to this. If if you had something like this discovered, let's just you know, in, in your local church that you pastor, you would not push Paul, like just ignore it and say no, 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 it, it messes with them. You would address it because you know, at the end of the day, if you don't address it, uh, then the, the whole thing's you know coming down, and so. Um, address it. It's a part of the mission. We care about every aspect of uh, the people that we're trying to reach and the right thing. And what does the kingdom of heaven look like on earth? It certainly looks like caring for the least of these and making sure that uh, the most vulnerable amongst us are not uh, vulnerable to the predators around us. Mm -hmm. 
That's well said. Uh, guys, we'll probably just land there. Um, certainly uh, look forward to seeing most of you guys there next week in Anaheim, uh, hopeful for what will take place next week. Uh, I, I know Dr. Moeller has said in the past that usually Southern Baptists, even if they're slow, get, get most things right. And so praying for wisdom, for, for grace, for favor, for charity, and certainly for discernment uh, as we make all the decisions we'll make next week. Uh, we've talked about a lot, covered a lot of ground. Uh, we appreciate you listening to the B21 podcast. If other questions come up ahead of time, always feel free to email us, baptist21 at gmail.com or, or send uh, comments to the to Twitter. We'll be happy to try to take on as much as we can, even though we'll be traveling and have lots of meetings as much as we can to try to keep you informed of all that's going on. Uh, and we'll do our best to do that. We do appreciate you guys listening to the Baptist 21 podcast. Thank you for listening to the Baptist 21 podcast. To learn more about us, visit us at our website, baptist21.com. Also, please be sure to subscribe, rate, review, and share this podcast with others. It would really help us out. If you ever have thoughts or ideas for future interviews, please reach out to us at our email, baptist21 at gmail.com. Again, thanks for listening to the podcast.